The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back to The Right Opinion right here on the therightopinion.podbean.com. AminMediaGroup.Podbean.com, RatSaladReview.com, as well as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, some point in the not-too-distant future, hopefully, Amazon Music, TuneIn. I think you can even Alexa me now if you'd like. Give the old, hey, Alexa, play the right opinion, and that bitch will bring it up for you when she's not spying on you. Anyway, welcome back. I'm your host, Harrison Bergeron, back with part two of Zoom and Gloom at the DNC. We've got the heavy hitters to get into. Michelle, Barack, Hillary, Kamala, Joe. The people at the top of the ticket are so insignificant, I actually almost forgot their names there for a second. And yes, I know it's Kamala. I just don't care. Moving on, uh, let's get into some of the, uh, the stuff that was said by some of these heavy hitters at the most boring convention in the history of mankind. I mean... It's hard to wrap my head around what they were thinking when they put this all together, right? Like, this is the group of people that have Hollywood at their side. You'd figure they could bring in any number of talented people, producers, actors, to come in and try to spice things up a little bit. Now, you know, before I get too harsh on my criticism of the DNC, obviously this is not my cup of tea, right? I'm listening to a bunch of people who are spewing a bunch of ideologies that I couldn't disagree with any further. But here we are. With the RNC announcing its key speakers, and half of them are Trumps, and and you know you know I loves me some Trumps, but I don't give a shit what Tiffany Trump has to say, and shame on the RNC for not tapping into some of the the culture warriors that we have out there. Why isn't Candace Owens speaking at the RNC? Why isn't Ben Shapiro speaking at the the RNC? Why isn't Steven Crowder speaking there? The Hodge twins, C.J. Pearson, like any number of people that we have out there that aren't Trumps or members of his administration, or want to be future members of the administration, or past members of the administration. It doesn't need to be that way. We have a very diverse party now, more so than in recent past, and it would be like a golden opportunity to highlight that. Bring Kim Klasik up to the RNC. Like, why wouldn't you? She's the most viral thing going on the Republican side of the aisle right now. It's absurd to me that she not only isn't speaking, but isn't a noted key speaker for one of these nights here. Um, like I said, there's there's plenty of gay and black and Hispanic and female conservatives out there that should be getting highlighted, not, you know, Ivanka Trump, who as much as I like looking at her, I don't really care what she has to say. She's essentially a Democrat. She's one of, if not the most liberal people in the White House currently she was responsible for us, you know, dropping bombs on Syria that we had no business dropping bombs on. Although I do appreciate the fact that we merely dropped a few bombs and didn't send a bunch of troops in there. So Donald at least was able to taper that decision a little bit 
but I'm not a fan of Ivanka Trump's politics or her ideologies. I'm not going to vote for her if and when she ever decides to run for office, unless I absolutely have to. But I don't care. I don't. I love Don Jr. I don't care what Don Jr. has to say right now. I want legitimate conservative commentators, politicians, people that have real diehard conservative values, and people like I said that kind of cover the whole spectrum. Shoving a bunch of rich white people up there is proving everything that they say about the Republican Party correct, and that's not what the Republican Party is about. That's not what conservatism, more specifically, is about. And I would have liked for them to give somebody other than Tim Scott a chance to speak as far as people of color. I would have liked for somebody other than Ivanka, Tiffany, and uh, Nikki Haley to be speaking on behalf of women. I would like to have seen some Hispanics up there. I would have liked to have seen uh, Brandon Straka of the Walk Away movement, you know, an openly gay, now conservative. Somebody like that can be immensely valuable to the message of trying to get more people under the Republican tent because that's where everybody needs to be because the Democratic tent is 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 divided up and segregated into these all these tiny little groups that basically run in contradiction to one another and they have conflicting ideologies as well as conflicting goals for instance you've got you know you've got the radical Muslims and the and the LGBTQ community under the same tent? How does that even make sense? It it shouldn't to anybody who understands the ideologies of those two particular groups, but nevertheless, that's what they have. It, it, somebody should point this out. Maybe a Tucker Carlson can come up there and just bitch slap a few people for a few minutes at a time. I, I don't know what I would have wanted, but when I saw the list, I was very, very upset. Look, do I want Diamond and Silk speaking at the RNC? Not necessarily, but they'd at least provide some entertainment, and they do occasionally say some things that are objectively true and and have a lot of common sense behind them that might resonate with people, not only women or women of color or people of color, but just anybody in general. That's how they get to being the viral sensations that they are, is once in a blue moon they drop a gem and it's like, hmm, you know what? They they might seem like a couple of crazy black ladies, but at the end of the day, they actually do know a few things about politics, and it's not just um, you know a couple of women on there kind of you know making making fools of themselves. They do actually pay attention to this stuff, and they do actually have occasional points that are worth parroting. But no, we're gonna get Eric and Lara and Don Jr. and Tiffany for some reason. Like, let's highlight the fact that Tiffany's kind of the outcast of the family and just bring her in for these one-off. Why not have Barron speak? Barron's at least in the White House seeing stuff every day, and we can use the leftist ideology against them when they decide to start attacking Barron Trump. We could say, oh, no, you're not allowed to attack children. Remember Greta Thunberg? They won't care, but at least we can show the independents and the people that aren't necessarily on the extremes how ridiculous the leftist ideology is. Nevertheless, this is the DNC I'm talking about, but I did want to touch on that because I am hoping to be pleasantly surprised by the RNC, but based on what I'm looking at right now, I'm really not. The GOP should be ashamed of themselves, and Donald Trump is going to have to bail them out again. Let's hope for the life of this nation that he can do so. Anyway, let's get in to some of our speakers for the DNC. As I mentioned, the heavy hitters, I think we are opening up with Hill Dog. Yes, the loser of the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton. And let's hear what she has to say. As Michelle Obama and Bernie Sanders warned us, if Trump is reelected, things will get even worse. That's why we need unity now more than ever. 
Remember back in 2016 when Trump asked, what do you have to lose? Well, now we know. Our health care, our jobs, our loved ones. Yeah, that's cute, Hillary. Um, I hear the Republicans being bashed regularly for their handling of COVID. I'm yet to see a Democrat propose an idea that might have actually worked. For instance, all of the Democrats that they point to are the ones with the highest death counts, like Andrew Cuomo, Phil Murphy, Tom Wolf, Gavin Newsom, locked down his entire state and is now still seeing spikes as a result. I, I, if the Democrats actually had a plan that they could def- point to and say, we should have done this, that would be nice. But they don't, and they didn't. And never did they at any point during this process. All they had to say, actually, let's look at Hillary Clinton. Assume Hillary Clinton was the president when COVID took over. Would she have banned travel as early as Donald Trump did? Because when Donald Trump did it, he was referred to as a xenophobe and a racist for doing so. Mind you, it turned out, in accordance with all of the experts, Fauci included, Lord Fauci, that 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 decision saved lives. The same goes with the travel bans from Europe. And as I've mentioned numerous times on this program, the World Health Organization was still discouraging travel bans two months after Donald Trump had put his into place. So if you can even imagine another two months of free travel in and out of China, in and out of the United States, in and out of Europe, in and out of the United States, how much worse would this be? Now, right now, they keep touting 5 million cases, which is really more the product of the exceptional testing that we have here in the United States than it is of an indication of a rampant outbreak here. Yeah, we have a lot of cases here. A lot of those cases are inconsequential. But that doesn't stop them from touting the cases over and over again. You'll notice deaths have become less and less a talking point, and that's because most of them reside in blue states because of the mismanagement from their leftist governors. But Hillary Clinton seems to think that she would have saved us all from COVID, which I, again, find very hard to believe because I know, based on everything that was said about how Donald Trump handled this, they would not have done everything the way Donald Trump did it. And I believe, in my heart of hearts, as well as when looking at the facts and the data, that Donald Trump did everything he could conceivably do here. Again, I have to contrib- I have to ask you to attribute the worst possible motives to the man even if you don't like him all that much. We're talking about an eccentric, egomaniacal germaphobe who most definitely would not want to be blamed for a pandemic ruining not only this country, but his economy that he spent so much time building. On top of the fact, he most definitely doesn't want to get COVID. Again, germaphobe. But Donald Trump obviously was just sitting back and doing nothing while this virus was running rampant across the country. We are seeing calls for national mask mandates from the Democrats, particularly from their buddy at the top of the ticket there. Not only is that unconstitutional, but there is no scientific evidence to suggest that that would do anything. There are countries out there that had worn masks at a far greater and more frequent rate than we have been doing here, and they are now seeing spikes and seeing more deaths and seeing higher cases and more hospitalizations after implementing lockdowns and mask mandates similar to the ones that Joe Biden would like you to believe that he would implement in January of 2021, by which time I think we all are pretty much under the assumption that coronavirus will have burned its way through the population and we will probably no longer be dealing with it. If it mutates again and it becomes another issue, then that's another issue. 
But Joe Biden telling you that in January of 2021, six months from now or five months from now or whatever it is, that he's going to now make you wear a mask. I would like to think that we'd all be over this by now, that there'll be a therapeutic, that there might be a vaccine if that's something you're interested in, not me. But the idea that Joe Biden is going to come in in January of 2021, which is when he would have the actual ability to make any of these decisions that he's saying that he's going to make and that he was going to wave some sort of magic wand. There's no magic wand to do these things. I don't know what he's talking about. That's uh, that's Barack, for those of you unaware, who was who was claiming that there is no magic wand to bring back all the jobs that Donald Trump went ahead and brought back. And he will do it again with this economy, COVID or no COVID. If you trust Joe Biden to bring back all of the jobs, I, I might ask where he where he might have obtained that ability because apparently under the Barack Obama Joe Biden administration that was an impossibility and now Donald Trump has actually done it and Joe Biden seems to think that he's going to what he's going to reverse Trump's policies that worked and then go back to Obama's policies that didn't and that's going to leave America in a better place and again Hillary who later on in the speech I actually didn't cut out I actually cut out the clip which he talks about you know, Joe and Kamala can lose by 3 million votes uh, or can win by 3 million votes and still lose. I know. Okay, is this the first actual admittance that she's lost the election in 2016? It took her until 2020 to actually admit that she lost the election. And she still won't say fair and square, but she lost the election fair and square. And it's taken her four years to at least come that far in coming to grips with the reality that she is not the president of the United States. And she is, in fact, at the bottom of a bottle of Chardonnay. So Hillary Clinton, they decided to wheel her out. Again, another thing I don't quite understand. If you're the Democrats, you lost last time because of this woman, because people disdain this woman so much that they voted for the mean, orange, flamboyant, uh, charismatic, obnoxious, some might even say, orange man bad from New York City. They, they, they went to the very extreme opposite end of things in order to avoid Hillary Clinton. And yet, Hillary Clinton wheeled out here, endorsing Joe Biden like that's supposed to help Joe Biden. This is almost as baffling as having Bill speak at the DNC, but nevertheless, they decided to do it because the Democrats have no idea what they're doing. But please, let's give them control over all of the firearms in this country, over our health care, over the Constitution, which they would set on fire if given the opportunity. Anyway, let's roll on from one former first lady to another. Michelle Obama, she's got some things to say. Let's hear. You know that I tell you exactly what I'm feeling. You know I hate politics. But you also know that I care about this nation. You know how much I care about all of our children. Really? Uh, do I? Do I know any of those things? I'll tell you, I don't. I, I don't believe that you'll tell me exactly how you feel. And then when you lie in the next sentence saying that you don't like politics when you've literally only been relevant and seen in political settings over the course of most of your adult life, I don't believe any of that. And then when you go on to say that you care about my children, now I'm really doubtful about that, especially considering the fact that you will later go on in the next clip or two here to talk about the children in cages at the border as if that didn't fucking begin under your husband's reign. But 
Michelle Obama cares. She cares so much she screwed up school lunches for everybody. Yeah, she was trying to make everybody healthier, whatever. She was also causing kids to just skip lunch because they didn't want to eat the healthy shit that she was putting in front of them. There's a way to do that. It involves education, not only on the child's level, but on the parental level, and forcing kids to drink white milk as opposed to chocolate milk is not going to help because they'll just avoid drinking the white milk and now they've had no calcium intake, no vitamin D intake, and without parents around to force them because that's what parents are there to do is to make children follow orders. Nope. We're just going to ruin school lunches altogether. We're going to ruin the nutritional intake for children all across the country, and that will be my shining achievement as the First Lady. Now, I don't think the First Lady really should have achievements. I don't I don't understand why they feel the need to take on jobs. I don't like that Melania's doing her cyberbullying campaign or revamping the Rose Garden. I just want Melania to stand next to Trump and look good. That's all she's there to do anyway. Why do we ask any more of her? The same would have, you know, been said for Michelle Obama if of course she didn't look quite so manly. But neither here nor there at the moment. Let's hear what else Michael, I mean Michelle, has to say about this upcoming election. They see our leaders labeling fellow citizens enemies of the state while emboldening torch-bearing white supremacists. They watch in horror as children are torn from their families and thrown into cages. Okay, lots to unpack there. Let's start at the beginning. She talks about Donald Trump referring to people as enemies of the state. Well, they are. And who might we be talking about? Well, of course, the fake news, because they are fake and their job is to be real. And when they're not real and they're leaving people to look to them for information that is ultimately inaccurate, they are the enemy of the state. Look no further than what's going on with the COVID situation. You've got media outlets out there telling you the drugs that probably work won't work. And as a matter of fact, they're telling you that they will kill you. They're telling you that masks absolutely work, but then they'll tell you that you can't go vote in person. They'll tell you that um, that that the disease only spreads certain ways, and then they'll t- pull back on that because it turned out that was wrong. They'll tell you your kids are super spreaders when there is no scientific evidence to suggest that that is the case. And then they will look directly into the camera and tell you that they believe in science. This, of course, the same group of people who don't believe babies are babies and believe that men can be women, but science. Anyway, so there's that. They are the enemy of the state, and if they just did their jobs properly, which, again, is not me suggesting, as I said in the last episode, that they need to kiss Donald Trump's ass all the time, how about just report when he does good stuff and report when he does bad stuff and let us decide how outraged we need to be about it. After all, we are the people that you're serving, or supposed to be anyway. You are the fourth estate. You are supposed to keep government in check through facts, through logic, through truth. And you do none of that, which is why you are the enemy of the state, like Will Smith or Wolverine. Anyway, we've got the whole emboldening white supremacists, which means, unfortunately, we need to relive the whole Charlottesville saga. Here is Donald Trump's exact quote regarding Charlottesville. Excuse me, they didn't put themselves down as neo-Nazis, and you had very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, 
I saw the same pictures you did. I had people, you had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. At which point a reporter chimes in, George Washington and Robert E. Lee are not the same. And Trump replies, Oh no, George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues of George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think about Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. We're going to take down his statue. He was a major slave owner. Are we going to take down his statue? You know what? It's fine. They're changing history. They're changing culture. And you had people. And I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than the neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers and you see them come with the black outfits and the helmets and the baseball bats, and you had a lot of bad people in that other group too. End quote. Could it be any clearer that he was not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists? And, by the way, he predicted the future? That was way back, Charlottesville was like two, two years ago, and he was talking about Washington and Jefferson having their statues taken down, and here we are today. Time travel confirmed. Anyway, so what else did she say? Oh, she wanted to talk about the kids in the cages. The irony, not even the irony, the audacity of this woman when everybody knows at this point that the cages were built under the Obama administration, that children were put there under the Obama administration, that the famous pictures of the children wrapped in tinfoil blankets in these cages were taken during the Obama administration. This, of course, was a child separation policy that was basically put in force by the Ninth Circuit Court, a super liberal court, I believe it was the Flores case, where they decided that children cannot be held with their parents when their parents are apprehended for crossing the border illegally. So they must be separated. This is the law. This is not Donald Trump's interpretation of the law. This is the literal law that was put into place by the Ninth Circuit Court under Barack Obama and now is being used against Donald Trump for some reason, who... I will say, in all fairness, turned up a notch, turned it up a few notches by having a zero tolerance policy, but that is precisely the policy that should have always been in place at the border. What are you going to have? Some tolerance policy? Oh, I'm sorry, Maria, whatever your, you know, whatever your problem is, you could just go ahead. We're going to look the other way. Just go ahead, run across the border. You have that baby right there and everybody's going to be fine. No, there's zero tolerance. We cannot let anybody into this country illegally. Why? Because we need to know who they are, why they're here, where they're going, what their intentions are, if, in fact, they want to be part of the American experiment or if they want to try to ruin it. These are the types of things that we need to know about the people that are coming into our country. Frankly, it's a miracle, based on the porousness of our border, that there haven't been large groups of foreign terrorists that have floated their way across it, being that it is apparently very easy to do pre-wall, pre-Trump. Zero tolerance is the only level of tolerance you should have for illegality. You want to work it out in the courts later on? Maybe there's some exceptions that can be made? Fine. But as far as arresting people on probable cause, which 
you can see them crossing the border. It's more than probable cause. But you should be able to go arrest them. If they have children with them, they need to be separated, and they need to be put in these cages that were erected by Barack Hussein Obama, despite what Michelle might tell you. Anyway, do we have anything else on Michelle? Let's see. Over the past four years, a lot of people have asked me, when others are going so low, does going high still really work? My answer, going high is the only thing that works. And by going high, she means getting high on Richard Branson's yacht with her husband. I mean, this woman and her husband, they seem to be so fucking concerned about the state of America. Where have they been the last four years? Not that I'm personally begging for their involvement. Frankly, I think all presidents should follow the H, uh, the George W. Bush model and just go to a basement and paint until they eventually die and stay the fuck out of politics. Now, I know George W. Bush has popped his, his head in here once in a blue moon, but for the most part, he's been pretty fucking quiet and pretty much out of the spotlight. Barack Obama has been too, but he's the one who's so worried about the future of our country, so worried about his predecessor undoing all of the great things that he supposedly did while he was in office, and yet he's just been sipping Mai Tais on a yacht, just chilling. His daughter's out, you know, publicly smoking pot and drinking underage, no big deal. Not that I particularly care about those things, but if you're going to pretend that you're this wonderful father when with TMZ catches your kid drinking underage, probably want to pull her aside and be like, hey, maybe not in front of the fucking cameras, you moron. But that's not what he did. He was too busy, off enjoying his life, which again, I implore him to do. But if you are so concerned about what's going on, why didn't you, you know, speak up more than a couple of times in the last four years? And only when it was really, like, needed. Only when people demanded that Barack Obama come out and speak did he ever actually speak. This is the same guy who just sat around and let his former VP wallow through the primaries and limp across the finish line and now just limp around his basement. You would think that he should step in. And apparently there's a lot of there's a lot of backstage rumors that Obama and Biden never really got along, that Obama always kind of thought Biden was just like a, an idiot, which it seems more and more apparent he may have actually been right about. But... You would think he would come out and, and lend a lifeline to old Joe, who supposedly told Barack not to endorse him because he wants to do it on his own. And then he used the entire mechanism of the DNC to strategically have other people pull out of the race just in time to pull the rug out from underneath Bernie Sanders. But you did it on your own, Joe, just like Hunter got jobs on his own. I believe it. I do. I do. Because I'm apparently an idiot as well. But Michelle Obama claiming that she's been going high, or for that matter, that the Democrats have been going high this whole time. We all know that this wasn't true. This was laughable when she said it the first time. When they go low, we go high by calling everybody who isn't in agreement with us a racist, a xenophobe, a sexist, a homophobe, an Islamophobe, a phobophobe, a nistophistic phobophobe to steal a line from Dan Bongino. This is just utter nonsense. Anybody who watches cable news can tell you this is nonsense. The the mere fact that Brian Stelter is, is in his bubble that he doesn't even understand what they are doing at his own network and that these clowns seem to think that they're taking the high ground by calling everybody who supports Donald Trump an evil racist or a white supremacist or a Nazi. Yeah, that's really high ground. By the way, when I call you guys racist, that's because it's actually founded in reality. The only fucking thing you people care about is race and gender and sex and sexual identity and whatever the fuck the, the particular flavor of the week is for you idiots. That's all you care about. The rest of us just care about, I don't know, our freedoms, our ability to feed our families, uh, our want to have the government's hand removed from our pocket, safer borders, judges who care about the Constitution. 
those sorts of things. Those, those are the things that actually affect our day-to-day. Not having tyrannical governors would be nice as well, and replacing the tyrannical governors with a tyrannical president is not an acceptable solution for almost any of us. Unless, of course, it's Trump, in, in which case, like, fuck it, hand him the crown. I'm ready to go. Um, if it, Honestly, I joke, but if, that, if Donald Trump being king stops the Democrats from taking power, I'm ready to fucking crown him. Okay, that's just what it comes down to. He seems to be the only person on the right side of the aisle, on the right side of history for that matter, who has any idea how to combat these fucking Democrats. The Republicans have been trying. And all of the whiny Lincoln Project bitches like the Rick Wilson or whatever, he particularly bothers me because he just looks like a fucking albino goober. Like literally the the chocolate-covered peanut. I guess it would be white chocolate, not necessarily albino. He also kind of looks like a car coming down the street with both doors open. He's not a particularly attractive man, not that I need him to be, but he is a very goofy-looking fella. He's got a lot of garbage takes on politics, and for some reason, people actually take him seriously. But these spineless, principleless cowards akin to John Kasich that sit around and pretend like, we need to save America for Donald Trump, who's actually implementing all the policies that I've said that I've actually cared about for all these years, but he's mean about it, so it's time for me to go back on everything that I've ever said about politics and about policy and about just that and the other thing, about foreign policy, domestic policy, the economy. No, we're going to throw that all out the window because Donald Trump is mean. Okay, that's, that's cute and all. You and your rhino friends and your Romneys and your Kasichs can go sit in the corner and watch Donald Trump win again because he's the only one who seems to know how to do that. Winning. And I get it to some extent. You got like the super Christian right, the 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 people that, you know, they believe that they have some sort of moral high ground legitimately. Like they're protecting the lives of the unborn. There, there is a level of actually having the moral high ground on the right. But that does not mean that you allow the left to repeatedly use their absence of morality against you and just take it. Eventually, allowing that to happen is immoral because they will gain power and implement the evil that they want to implement, namely baby murder, more government control, censorship, disarmament, need I go on. Anyway, so that's Michelle Obama going high, even though she she probably is high because she'd have to be to believe this bullshit. Let's move on from Michelle to Barack. He's in Philadelphia where the Constitution, well, fuck it, I'll let him tell you. I'm in Philadelphia, where our Constitution was drafted and signed. It wasn't a perfect document. It allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women, and even men who didn't own property, the right to participate in the political process. That sounds bad. But embedded in this document was a North Star that would guide future generations. Racist. A system of representative government, a democracy. No, 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 that's to not. which we could better realize our highest ideals. Okay, so I thought the Constitution and everyone involved in the drafting of it was a blatant racist, but apparently they slipped a North Star in there that that you know would ultimately lead to the wonderful free society that we have today. Oh wait, no, everything's racist today too. Who exactly is he talking to here? Certainly not anybody on the left, certainly not the protesters that he would later go on to say are achieving the dream of the founders, which is just asinine. They're actually the legitimate nightmare of the founders who wanted 
anything but a true democracy because they knew that mob rule would ultimately take over, which is why when he says that the Constitution gave us a democracy, clearly the man has never actually read the document because it doesn't actually give us a democracy. It gives us a constitutional republic, a federalist system in which there are states that have powers that extend pretty broadly within the borders of that state. And the federal government does have some a power above it, but for the most part, decisions are typically made on the state level, uh, at least the decisions that affect our daily lives. And that also led to the Electoral College, which is what helped Donald Trump win yet another thing that they want to get rid of. But he sits here and he pretends like he loves the Constitution so much. This is the guy who said, I've got a phone and I've got a pen and I'm doing my thing. I don't know that he necessarily said the doing my thing thing, but that's what he said. He's got a phone and he's got a pen. So he wasn't interested at any point in time in trying to get legislation passed through Congress other than Obamacare, which shouldn't have passed through Congress, but it did. And it shouldn't have passed through the Supreme Court, but it did because John Roberts is a spineless, principalist coward. And uh, this guy is actually in Philadelphia touting the Constitution as this wonderful thing, which, again, is pretty weird considering anybody involved in the drafting of the Constitution was an evil racist but they put a North Star in there. Here's the deal. The Constitution actually pretty much is a perfect document. It had everything that we needed to have in there, in conjunction with the Declaration, I suppose, if you want to combine the two documents, written largely by the same people, is that the idea that all men are created equal, which is in the Declaration, and similar principles are presented in the Constitution, those ideas never allowed for slavery. The imperfection of man allowed for slavery. The South wanting it so badly meant that we had to kind of, you know, circle back on that particular topic if we wanted to unite the Union against the British, and for that matter, as a whole, once we had defeated the British. Later down the line, we revisit slavery. As a matter of fact, the Republican Party was formed to try to stop the spread of slavery, which the South was trying to push further north. And by the South, I mean the Democrats. But neither here nor there, apparently, because the party switched, you know, that whole line of bullshit. But Barack Obama talking about the Constitution is really odd. It's like Andrew Cuomo writing a book about how to handle COVID. Oh, fuck. That's happening, too, isn't it? Wow. It's like the, it's like the, 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 the crew that built the Hindenburg writing a manual on vehicle safety. <laughs> it's really not. It doesn't make any sense, but people who have been brainwashed by the media for the last 12 years, they don't know any better. They think, Mr. Here's the deal, America. They think that guy is like, you know, he he's, he's the golden calf. He is the savior. He was the last and only real president. He was the greatest president of all time, despite the fact that none of them can name any major accomplishments that Barack Obama achieved in his time there. I always break it down to the two. He, he basically legalized gay marriage, which I actually do think was important. Despite the fact I'm a conservative, I know that's crazy to people. They, they still think that all the conservatives are anti-gay marriage. I'm not. I don't think the government has any role in marriage. I'd like for the government to remove itself from having any official capacity in regards to marriage. And that way, anybody can marry whoever the fuck they want to marry. And I don't really care who you marry. Doesn't doesn't bother me one way or another. The only thing that matters to me is who I ultimately end up marrying, if I should deem any woman worthy. Neither here nor there, I guess. Let's move on from... Barack talking about the Constitution to, I don't know, what else What else does he have to say? Why is he still talking? Let's find out. Our ability to work together to solve big problems like a pandemic 
depend on a fidelity to facts and science and logic and not just making stuff up. None of this should be controversial. These shouldn't be Republican principles or Democratic principles. They are American principles. But at this moment, this president and those who enable him have shown they don't believe in these things. We don't believe in what exactly? Science? You mean all the science that says that this virus is really only dangerous to certain subsections of the population? You mean the science that says that certain areas of this country don't need to have lockdowns and massive quarantining and mask mandates because they are relatively rural, they don't have a lot of cases, they don't have a lot of people that are highly susceptible to dying of this disease. You mean the science that says send in the, the sick into nursing homes? Is that the science that he's referring to maybe? I don't know. But how about the science that says that all of the schools should be open? And you clowns are sitting around pretending like you're the ones that want to open the schools when everyone knows that that is clearly not the case. The red states are the ones that are opening up the schools. Donald Trump is the one who's pushing for national school openings. And you guys are sitting around dangling this carrot like vote for us and we'll let you go back to school, which is sickly enough probably correct. Because suddenly, once President Biden has been elected, you can bet your bottom dollar that the panic merchants in the media will find something else to shill between November and January, and then poof, the disease will have magically disappeared when Joe Biden comes in in month 11 and finally puts in a national mask mandate for a disease that basically 70% of us will have had already and uh, most likely been immune to it by that point. But don't worry, old, slow, creepy, sleepy, flippy, floppy, malarkey, sloppy Joe I think I threw two sloppies in there, which is probably appropriate. But uh, he's going to come save us all. Don't you worry about it. This, of course, the guy that Obama didn't want to endorse, apparently behind the scenes thought he was an idiot. And, uh, you know, he, he hates Donald Trump so much that he's willing to let this doddering old fool who can barely make his way out of his basement run the country. And for that matter, try to fix an economy that has seen better days, certainly, but is already doing better. As a matter of fact, you know, for all the malarkey that you're seeing about all the polls, yeah, I said malarkey, all the polls that you're seeing that Biden's winning this, that, and the other thing, there's a lot of polls that suggest that Donald Trump is more trusted with the recovery of the economy. And I think at the end of the day, with a suffering economy, that's the poll that matters. People are going to vote with their wallets. And they're going to say, yeah, maybe I don't like the mean orange man, but he cut my taxes. He's going to get jobs back into this country. He's going to put America first which is weirdly enough a policy that Joe has adopted. So his plan is Trump's plan, which begs the question, why change anything? I mean, if Joe Biden just ran on, I'm going to do everything exactly the way Donald Trump has done it policy-wise, except I'm not going to tweet and say, you know, hyperbolic things to be nice, he'd win this thing in a landslide. The problem is, is that with this supposed niceness that Joe Biden is bringing to the table, which he's not, he's not a very nice person at all, as I'll play for you here in a second, he he wants to bring in the niceness along with all of these radical changes. If he just wanted to bring the niceness with no changes, if he came in and just like, look, honestly, Trump's been doing a pretty good job. He's just kind of a loudmouth. Sometimes his Twitter gets us into trouble. Everybody's sick of seeing the riots at, at, that are basically there because of him. Everybody's sick of seeing the clowns in the media cry. I'm going to come in. I'm not going to change much except for my de the demeanor of the president. Joe Biden would win this thing running away. He'd win 90% of the popular vote. But that's not what he's doing. 
He's saying Donald Trump is a mean, bad man who did a terrible job as president, which is objectively not true. And he's saying that I will bring honor and, and I will be an ally to the light, as we'll hear him say a little bit later on. But along with that comes all of these radical progressive changes, the most progressive presidency since FDR, in the words of Bernie Sanders. Again, not a smart move, but the Democrats, not very smart people. Anyway, that's the end of Barack. Let's move on to the Jamaican giants, Kamala, Hillary of color, now Sarah Palin of color. Let's see what she has to say. Are you the real Batman? No. No? No. No. <laughs> then why do you dress up like him? <laughs> He's a symbol. We don't have to be afraid of scum like you. Yeah. You do, Brian. You really do. And we are. That might not have actually been Kamala Harris, but a similar demeanor. Anyway, from Heath Ledger's Joker, let's go to the actual Kamala Harris. What does she have to say for real this time? I have fought for children and survivors of sexual assault. I fought against transnational criminal organizations. I took on the biggest banks and helped take down one of the biggest for-profit colleges. I know a predator when I see one. Interesting choice of words, being that she, when asked about the Tara Reid allegations against Joe Biden, said that she believes the victims. So she knows a predator when she sees one, and even after joining the ticket with Joe Biden, still has the audacity to say that she knows a predator when she sees one. Weird, because we were pretty sure that you thought Joe Biden was a predator up until he asked you to be the vice president. What changed? Or has nothing changed, and you are so power-hungry that instead of slobbing Willie Brown's knob, now you're going to pretend that this guy who is clearly a predator on some level, even if I don't necessarily fully believe the Tara Reid accusations in full disclosure, having done some research into them, they, they look very unplausible. But there are an endless amount of gifts of him grabbing women and sniffing children all over the internet that you might want to check out sometime. This guy is clearly a predator. He is obviously the audience for Netflix's cuties, which, side note, gross. These fucking people are gross. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's a quick aside. Cuties is a movie that was adopted from a French film called Mignons, which means cuties essentially in French. And uh, it won, I guess, a Sundance Film Award or one of these awards, whatever the case may be. Netflix bought it, adopted it into English and decided to grossly over-sexualize it. And by over-sexualize it, I mean they sexualized it. It's a story about an 11-year-old joining a dance troupe. But, of course, the dance of choice is twerking for whatever reason. That, I'm not sure if that was the original part of the French film. But I do know that if you look at the two posters from the two films, the one in France kind of looks like, I don't know, it looks like the, the cover of Clueless, except with, you know, younger girls just looking like they're having fun. They're not particularly scantily clad. They're not posed in any sort of weird sexual positions, and then you see the American version of the poster. It says cuties, and it's got four young girls in, like, leotards shaking their asses, and it is absolutely disgusting that Netflix thought that this was a good idea, but Netflix actually, you know, they, they, they're, they're like the deep state fucking, you know, propaganda factory. 
all they do is they push these ridiculous things like, you know, Russian collusion and 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 now uh, apparently pedophilia sympathy for, let's face it, Joe Biden was glued to the TV watching cuties the entire time he was stuck in the basement, and it's gross, and the Netflix, you know, they came out and they apologized about it as if it wasn't blatantly obvious what they were doing. Oh, sorry, we overly sexualized this poster of 11-year-olds. Are you? Doesn't, don't these things go through, like, I don't know, an editorial process? No one looked at that and said, hmm, that might be a little inappropriate. They probably did, and they don't care. This is the same organization that gives the Obamas paychecks now, they clearly are evil. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, the normalizing pedophilia and the sexualization of 11-year-old girls is disgusting. Frankly, if the Obamas had any integrity, they would drop all ties from the organization. But no, I'm sure they've got a few documentaries coming out from Higher Ground Productions. All, I mean, I, I think Higher Ground is a direct reference to Stevie Wonder, of whom I know the Obamas are big fans. But it's also hilarious because Michelle, with her whole "When they go low, we go high," they name their production company Higher Ground, which again is hilarious because they have never, ever taken the higher ground on anything. Back to Kamala here. She claims that she fights for children. This from the woman when she was the prosecutor in uh, in California in San Francisco area, I believe, in the, the, that district. Uh, she was actively hunting down children for truancy and threatening to jail their parents if there was more than a certain number of, of truancy, uh, I guess, incidents for those children. So that's lovely. I mean, yeah, I get it. You want them in school. Throwing them in jail, you think, is the best possible way. I hear the Democrats talk all the time about the school-to-prison pipeline. How about the, I don't know, prison-to-prison -prison pipeline, <laughs> which is what it sounds like. Kamala would prefer. She also fought for sexual assault victims by completely making them up and handing anonymous letters to senators from the Republican side, trying to convince them that Brett Kavanaugh was a rapist. And oh, by the way, knowing a predator when she sees one is now running on the ticket with somebody she once claimed to be a predator. But yeah, she's fighting for sexual assault victims. I, I don't get it. I don't. There's nothing genuine about this woman at all. And even if you were to take anything she said at face value, it's still not particularly wow worthy. But she's going to be your president. If you vote for Joe Biden, she will be the president of the United States. <laughs> God help us all. And that brings us to the main event. He's sleepy. He's creepy, he's flippy, he's floppy, he's sloppy, Joe! Yeah, that guy. I know, my intros are more exciting than anything he'll ever have to say. But here is Joe Biden and a number of clips from his speech. Hey, look, in fairness, I thought the guy would be a bumbling fool and tripping all over himself. He was not. The bar was set, unfortunately, very low for Joe Biden, even by those in his friendly half of the media. But he came out and he recited the speech. I don't know if it was taped. Rush Limbaugh seems to think it might have been taped, which would obviously lend some uh, some explanation for why Joe seemed to be so lucid in this particular moment. I mean, Joe Biden is not he's not a big game player, right? Like this is a guy that has run for president multiple times and fallen flat on his face. This is also a guy who recently tried to take some credit for the Israeli UAE peace deal that Donald Trump brokered, when in actuality, 
The last time he spoke with the UAE was in 2014, and when he came back home, he was forced to apologize for something he said to them over there. This is a guy who is on the wrong side of every foreign policy decision he's ever been involved in at any point in his career. As a matter of fact, there was a really good article written in the Wall Street Journal about this, and I'm pulling it up, which is why I'm sort of stalling. But here is from the actual article itself, and I quote, As for foreign policy, he supported the invasion of Iraq in 2002 while chairing the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Then he flipped when most Democrats did as the fighting became difficult. Then he opposed the 2007 Iraq surge, saying it would fail, which, by the way, it didn't. Then in 2011, he supported Barack Obama's withdrawal from Iraq that set stage for the rise of Islamic State. That's ISIS. He opposed the raid of Osama bin Laden. Misjudgment on hard questions are inevitable. Every president makes them. But one test of political character is the willingness to stand up to pressure and make hard choices, even when they're politically unpopular. Joe Biden has no record of doing so. I will drop the, the, the notes here. Uh, this is an article called The Joe Biden We Know from the Wall Street Journal. And I will, like I said, put that in the show notes for you to check out for yourselves. But Joe Biden has literally been on the wrong side of every foreign policy decision in his entire career, particularly when he was in office. And that's aside from when he was holding up foreign aid to the Ukrainians in exchange for a prosecutor being fired who just so happened to be looking into his son and his son's company. Not to mention that he's flying his son on Air Force Two over to China to obtain $1.5 billion business deals, providing his brother, who has no experience in building anything, with a contract to build 100,000 units of homes in war-torn Iraq. It appears, if you follow Joe Biden's record, particularly when he had actual power as the vice president, that he was far more interested in enriching himself and his family than he ever was helping America. But, you know, let's let him run the country for some god-awful reason. Oh, that's right. Orange man bad. I know. I forgot. Anyway, here is Joe Biden. Let's hear what he has to say. Here and now, I give you my word. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. It's time for us for we, the people, to come together. And make no mistake, united we can and will overcome this season of darkness in America. Now, if that sounds remarkably familiar to you, it should. I've talked about it here. And, and yeah, I was a bit of a fanboy for Marianne Williamson, a.k.a. the crazy crystal lady, when she was running in the Democratic primary, mostly because she made things interesting, and it's actually shameful that they didn't bring her in to speak at this convention, particularly when they were just going to have Joe Biden plagiarize, essentially, yet again from somebody else. And uh, and here is Marianne Williamson's speech at the DNC. Let me know if you hear any similarities between the two. The racism, the bigotry, and the entire that we're having here tonight, if you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days. Dark psychic energy. Man, I miss her. I miss Marianne Williamson. She was great. Hashtag orb gang. 
But Joe Biden just straight up, you know, this is the guy who's historically had problems with plagiarism. He's admitted to plagiarizing back when he was in law school. He basically plagiarized his own life story and ripped it from Neil Kinnock, who was a guy who was, I guess, ran for parliament in the UK, basically stole his life story and then has stolen Bernie Bernie Sanders' policies for his platform. This guy's a joke. There's nothing authentic or genuine about him. He's a used car salesman who isn't even that good at it. And while he pretends that he's going to be an ally of the light, my God, this is part of the reason that I actually called these episodes Zoom and Gloom, is that Democrats are painting this awful picture of the United States like, like other than COVID, we have any major problems right now. The only problems we have are completely manufactured by the media. These racist you know, cops and, and, and these, these, these rallies or these riots that aren't really happening yet buildings are mysteriously being burned to the ground all across the country. Those are the problems that, that don't really exist other than the media hysteria and the panic merchanting that they do over there. Other than COVID, I mean, go back to, I know it's hard, go back to March or, or February of 2020. Things were great. Unemployment, all-time low. Stock markets, all-time highs. Everything was just kicking. Donald Trump was cakewalking to a re-election bid. And then COVID came. And the media turned everything about COVID and about George Floyd. All of that somehow got blamed on Donald Trump for whatever reason. People are stupid, so they believed it. And it just kept on going from there. But the Democrats, and Joe Biden in particular, considering he wants to be an ally of the light, he sure seems to think that things are pretty dark right now. And I guess... By painting these doom and gloom scenarios for the American people, he seems to think that he will come out on top as a, quote, ally of the light. Okay. I mean, it didn't work out very well for Marianne Williamson. I think people see past this this kind of zen mumbo-jumbo and realize that what Donald Trump has done, regardless of whether or not you like him or the way that he does things, has been effective. This is a guy that promised a litany of things that no one thought he could possibly do when he was running for president, and has accomplished most of them. The one big one is the fact that Hillary Clinton still walks free. But give him some time. I mean, hey, another four years couldn't hurt, right? It's definitely not going to happen under a Biden presidency, that's for sure. But that's Joe Biden, you know, talking about the light. And here's Joe Biden talking about the darkness. What an uplifting message this is. Take a listen to this. This is, uh, this is Biden on covid We'll never have our lives back until we deal with this virus. The tragedy of where we are today is it didn't have to be this bad. Just look around. It's not this bad in Canada or Europe or Japan or almost anywhere else in the world. And the president keeps telling us the virus is going to disappear. He keeps waiting for a miracle. Well, I have news for him. No miracle is coming. Wow. Uplifting. Definitely what I want to hear from our leader is is just extreme pessimism. Look, Donald Trump, he lives in hyperbole. He says some things incorrectly. He says some things that are wrong. He might even lie on occasion. But he's at least uplifting if you listen to what he says. He said multiple times, I'm a cheerleader for this country. And all he wants to do is, is provide you with a positive, uplifting message some of you don't take it that way, and it's hard to blame you. Again, you've been brainwashed by the media. But he wants America to succeed. He wants us to have a strong economy. He wants us to have strong borders and a safe populace. He wants us to have freedoms, individual freedoms, things he has never tried to take away from anybody that the Democrats are chomping at the bit to take away from you. Not to mention, this, these things that he just said are completely inaccurate. 
We're not the worst in the world at handling COVID. Not even close. We have the best testing effort in the world, despite the fact that they keep claiming that we need more testing. Yeah, we probably do need more testing, but that testing doesn't just appear because you say so. And we are the we are testing the most people of anyone in the world, producing the most tests of anybody in the world. So if it could be done better, you're going to need to show us examples because no one else is doing it that way. Furthermore, it is this bad in Europe. There are plenty of countries in Europe that are seeing it far worse or as bad as us. France is right about as bad. Spain, much worse. The UK, much worse. Belgium, much worse. Not to mention the economic impact has been much worse over in, in, in the Eurozone, as they call it, the European Union, uh, in kind of general lay speak, I suppose. It, I went through these numbers a few weeks ago, is that the economy in Europe has taken a much bigger dip than it did here. Now, they keep saying, oh, but it was 32.9% uh, GDP hit for the U.S. Yeah, that's annualized. They don't do annualized over there. They do quarterly like the normal fucking rational people do, which we did up until you saw that 32.9 number that you can use and put in headlines and scare the shit out of people. That's not what actually happened. It was down like a 9% dip in GDP, which is terrible. We're looking for, you know, 3 plus percent growth in GDP every quarter. We didn't get that these last couple quarters and we're not going to get it this last these last couple quarters that said we still have managed despite all these stupid lockdowns and all these tyrannical governors killing grandmas all across the country have managed to have less of an economic impact here in the US than they did over in Europe he also cited Japan which actually has a history of wearing masks much at, at a much greater frequency than we do as a matter of fact it's something that's not incredibly all that uncommon over in Asia in general now, Japan is starting to see spikes in the cases. Now, not, not you know, months ago like we did. We've actually done a fairly good job of mitigating this, of flattening the curve. There were, I think it was a grand total of seven deaths in New Jersey the other day. Seven. It, it, it was at thousands a day at one point. Seven. Now. We've handled this better. We all know how to mitigate. The hospitals know how to treat better. People are not as scared but they are at least aware. They're washing their hands. They're wearing their masks. They're socially distancing. We all we are all handling this better than we were, unlike other countries that are still seeing spikes in some cases. Are they as big as spikes as we have here? No, they don't have as many fucking people as we have here. They also don't have as desirable a location as we have here. As I said in yesterday's show, I give Andrew Cuomo the littlest bit of credit because New York is such a hotbed and such a hub that people are constantly coming in and out of New York because people like New York. And there's, it's a place that people want to go to. That same principle applies to America. Oh, it's not as bad in Canada. No one wants to fucking go to Canada. That's why. No one's rushing to Canada for any reason. Hockey season was barely going on building up to this. Like, no, there's no reason to go to Canada. I looked at this once, and I, I got into some back and forth with some idiot on Twitter about this. Here. Oh, yeah, up here in Canada, we don't have any of that stuff, eh? All right, buddy. All right, I'm sorry. I'm going to get some hate from the Canadians that listen to this show. Sorry, Bonnie. Uh, but... I know you're not Canadian, but you sympathize for some reason. We'll talk. Um, anyway, so they don't have the problem up there because there's far less travel to Canada. They were comparing Canada to Florida for some reason, which is a pretty lopsided comparison to begin with. But let's take a look at this. The top 50 busiest airports in the world, two of them reside in Florida. One of them resides in Canada. <laughs> so... Twice as many people, essentially, want to go to Florida on a daily basis as want to go to Canada. 
and yeah, there's other airports. And Florida, actually, one of the one of the airports, I don't think Fort Lauderdale was even registered in the top 50. It was Miami and Orlando. So between those three airports alone, they see more air travel than basically all of Canada sees in a given day, week, month, or year. But they're, they're comparing the two as if that's even remotely the same. No one wants to fucking go to Canada. That's why the Canadians didn't get overwhelmed with cases. Because people are not rushing to go see fucking moose. Okay? The, no, no one cares enough. Except for actually, what is it? Toronto, I believe. Or Quebec is actually seeing really, really high levels of cases, which again, if you broke out Canada into regions or provinces even, like you should do when you're looking at the United States or the Eurozone, for instance, you can you can see that there are certain areas that due to local governance didn't handle this particularly well. And yeah, Quebec probably sees more travel than other parts of Canada. That's why they're seeing worse results, which is the same reason that America is seeing worse results. And to some extent, why New York and New Jersey and other hot, you know, big hubs here in the U.S. are also seeing worse results because people actually want to fucking be there. So I take very personally and I the profound responsibility of serving as commander in chief. I'll be a president who will stand with our allies and friends and make it clear to our adversaries the days of cozying up to dictators is over. Under President Biden, America will not turn a blind eye to Russian bounties on the heads of American soldiers. Really? Because you did. It actually happened. It was going on during the Obama administration. This whole big Russian bounty gate that they keep talking about. It was going on during the Obama administration. It was happening then. Oh, by the way, Russia also happened to meddle with our elections under your watch, Joe. And you guys just fucking sat around and did nothing about it. Oh, Barack went over there. All right. Vladimir, you better cut it out because I said so. Here's the deal, Vlad. That's that's that was that was it. That was the extent of us, you know, standing up to dictators. Mind you, they had no problem kissing the ass of the Iraqi mullahs or the, the Iranian mullahs, giving them billions of dollars to fund terrorism. Remember that guy, Qasem Soleimani? Remember the one that Trump killed everyone was all pissed off about? Yeah, where do you think he got all of the funds in order to commit all of the terrorist acts that he was doing? If you guessed the Iran deal and pallets full of cash being delivered by the Obama-Biden administration, you would be correct. So they're paying terrorists to be terrorists. We're fucking killing them with dogs. And he died like a dog. But no, don't worry. Joe Biden's going to stand up to the dictators. Don't worry. It's just it's it's just fine. And they were so committed to kissing the ass of those particular dictators over in, in Iran that they were allowing Hezbollah to sell drugs here in the United States without allowing the DEA to arrest them and get, and obviously deport them because they didn't want it to affect the Iran deal. But don't worry. We're going to stand up to dictators. Don't you worry. This is also Joe Biden, who his son is business partners with the government of China, and he seemed to have gotten it. He seemed to have gotten his son a job at an energy company in possibly one of the most corrupt countries in the world where they later delivered a billion plus dollars to one of the most corrupt bankers in the world simply for the fact that he was working with Hunter Biden. Because there's no other conceivable reason why you would hand your money over to the guy who chainsaws his business uh, his business rivals' heads off. I was going to say business partners. That would be really rough. And I don't even think Joe is a terrible enough father to put his son in that position. Although, he was working with a guy who chainsaws people's heads off. Just saying. Just saying. 
And then old Slow Joe decided to try to reach out to the youth vote. Uh, apparently, the numbers came back, and that moving speech from Billie Eilish in the opening nights of the convention was not enough to move the youth of America to vote for this crusty old windbag. So here's Joe reaching out to America's youth. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Oh, uh, that that may have been the wrong clip. Um, Here's the right one. One of the most powerful voices we hear in the country today is from our young people. They're speaking to the inequity and injustice that has grown up in America. Economic injustice, racial injustice, environmental injustice. I hear their voices. I've, I'm, I've had enough of this. I, I've said this a million times on this show. If you need to put a qualification in front of justice, you're doing justice wrong. Justice is just that, justice. There's no racial justice, economic justice, gender justice, uh, reproductive justice, to quote uh, Julian Castro from the Democratic primary debates. It's just justice. If you need to put a qualifier in front of it, it's not justice. It's something other than justice. To suggest that all people of color require a certain level of help from the Democrats, from the government, from the rest of us, however you want to say, is nothing short of racism. If you want to point to me to individual cases of people of color who have been wronged by the system, for instance, a guy like George Floyd, who becomes more and more painfully obvious that that situation was not what we originally were told it was as the footage has come out, but... Uh, no one, I still don't believe anybody believes that he should have died the way that he died or that that cop should have had his knee on the back of his neck or in his upper spine for as long as he did, specifically under the conditions that he was under. Should have just fucking cuffed him and thrown him in the back of the car. If he died of, you know, asphyxiation because of the fentanyl in his system, a coroner would have quickly determined that. But they tried to be nice, at least to some extent. They tried to, they try, I don't want to say nice. They tried to... You know, they tried to make the situation as best as they possibly could, considering the circumstances, I think, having watched that footage. But that's an instance that everybody sees as wrong. It's not a racial incident. As a matter of fact, we still don't have any evidence that Derek Chauvin was acting out of racism or bias in any way against the man. As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet now, having seen that body cam footage, because he knew him, he was probably giving him a little bit more freedom than he would have otherwise given him. Because I'm watching this footage going, why are they still messing around with this guy? Throw him in the cuffs, throw him in the back of the damn car, and then work it out at the station. But they keep trying to get him in the car, and they're trying to make concessions for him, and yada yada. I don't want to get too deep into George Floyd. But again, Joe Biden trying to reach out to the youth uh, with these buzzwords like racial injustice and economic injustice. It's the type of indoctrination bullshit that they learn at colleges and at high schools that they think they're woke but they're actually just intellectually broke. They know nothing. These kids don't know anything. See Greta Thunberg, see David Hogg, see Emma Gonzalez, every fucking kid that they push in front of the camera, they know they don't know anything. They're just parroting the same nothing that the adults in the Democrat Party know. They're just less likely to get attacked for it because they're children. Unfortunately for them, we don't give a fuck anymore. If you're going to push a child out in front of a microphone and tell them to spew your political agenda, you put that kid in that situation, and that kid is deserving of all of the same criticisms that you would be subject to 
had you done it yourself and you weren't a fucking coward. Coward! That one was for Billy Ray. Anyway, uh, one last thing here. So I kept telling you, you know, Jill Biden did this really good job of painting Joe as this nice guy. And that's sort of what the pitch is, is Donald Trump is mean and Joe Biden is nice. And don't let any of the policy stuff get in your way. You want to vote for the nice guy, right? Don't you? Come on. Who doesn't want a nice president? Me? I don't want a nice president. I want an effective president. Satan himself could emerge from the gates of hell, and if he told me that he was going to provide a more libertarian government where there was less taxes taken, less freedoms impinged upon by the government, and more babies protected for whatever reason, maybe Satan would be pro-life. I don't know. I'm just saying. I would vote for Satan. I don't need a nice person to be in office. I need an effective person to be in office. As a matter of fact, I'm not even voting for a person to be in office. I'm voting for an ideology to be in office. The ideology that says that the Constitution is good, babies are babies, men are men, guns belong with the citizens in order to stop a potentially tyrannical government, which essentially is what the Democrats are just running as now. So I don't know why I shouldn't be afraid of that. Those are are the principles that I'm voting for. Does Donald Trump always follow through with everything that I want him to follow through on? No, he doesn't. But he stops the lunacy of the left at every conceivable turn. And and look, it's an uphill battle. Does he always win? No, but he's damn near, he's at least fighting the fights. He's fighting the fights that Republicans before him were never willing to fight. And that's why when everybody was laughing about him in the primary in 2015 and 2016, building up to last election, I knew he was going to win the entire time. It was all he had to do was say some Republican talking points, but say them like Donald Trump would say them. And he did. And magically, everyone realized very quickly, he's not the spineless jellyfish that the rest of the party has always been. And he's, to some certain extent, kind of, you know, stiffened the spine of a few guys. Like, Ted Cruz would not be the Ted Cruz we know today if he didn't run up against and lose to Donald Trump and see why the American people chose Donald Trump over Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz could be my president any day of the week, I love his ideas on policy. I love how pragmatic he is. I, 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 part of me even likes that he's kind of like the sniveling little goober at times, although the beard has definitely helped his image a little bit. But I, I, Ted Cruz was never, the 2016 Ted Cruz that we knew was never going to be the guy that would just be the bull in a china shop the way that Donald Trump has. And, and some of you may even be asking yourselves, why do we need a bull in a china shop? Well, that's because the Democrats have ruined this country so dramatically over the course of the last almost 100 years now to the point to where this entire thing needs to be taken down or at least taken back several steps. Get rid of some of these entitlement programs. Get rid of a lot of these regulations. Get rid of a lot of this bureaucracy, these unelected officials. The National Security Council has fucking 400 people on it. Donald Trump tried to scale it back a little bit, and they're still screaming about the pandemic response team, which was never eliminated. It was only consolidated from three existing teams into a single one, which is not only more efficient from a government payroll perspective, but more efficient from a scientific perspective, rather than having three different teams working on the same fucking thing. Now they're all working on the same thing and able to share instructions and ideas and, and you know developments with one another as they move along. But Donald Trump, he's mean. Joe Biden, he's so nice. I mean, when he doesn't have kids jumping in his lap and when he isn't, you know, sniffing women and children and possibly even digitally raping women in the halls of Congress. Again, I'm not a big believer in the Tara Reid story, having done some research on it. But that said, 
the the willingness for the media to just altogether ignore it as if it wasn't at all worth addressing. If they had just addressed it at first and looked at the evidence, they might have actually just been able to disprove it. But they, they had no interest in even addressing it because they didn't even want to address the idea that Joe Biden could be every bit as bad as they claim Donald Trump is. But here's Joe talking to some uh, talking to some constituents, talking to some voters on the campaign trail. And look, Donald Trump's rough around the edges. He says some things you might not like. But can you imagine him ever saying stuff like this? To voters. How do you explain the performance in Iowa and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. You're you're selling access to the president just like he is. So you got a damn liar, man. That's not true, and no one has ever said that. No one has heard that. I see it on the TV. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 no, let him go. Let him go. I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on? Let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's get my pizza. Look, fat. Look, here's the deal. Look, fat. Look, here's the deal. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. We gotta stop building and replacing pipelines. Yeah. You have to go vote for someone. All right. Thanks so much, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to vote you in the general if you treat me. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not. Look at my record. Just look at the record. I have President Biden. Vice President Biden. Well, I tell you what, if you look at my record and you still doubt about my commitment, then you should vote for somebody else. Telling his female staffers to shush, calling young female voters lying dog-faced pony soldiers, telling an auto worker that he's full of shit for believing that Biden's going to take away his guns when he's already said he's going to put Beto O'Rourke, Mr. We Will Take Your AR-15, in charge of his gun policies. The guy is just not in touch with reality, and it's hard to tell if it's because he's senile or he's a Democrat. It really is a difficult uh, kind of determination to make at the end of the day. But the guy is not a nice guy. As soon as you challenge him on anything, I mean, look at the, the way that he, he blew up on Charlemagne. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. For simply suggesting that black people might have a choice, like they might have another option to go to, why should they pick you? Well, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And then the one guy that he asked about the cognitive test, and he, he started asking the guy if he was on cocaine, what about you? Are you a junkie, huh? What do you say? And then he gives you that used carsman smile. As if that's convincing to everybody. Look, I get it. Donald Trump is not the most likable personality in the world, but at least he's not one of these fake-ass politicians that have been smiling at you for years while lining their pockets and doing absolutely nothing for you. Joe Biden is the fucking embodiment of the, of the swamp, of the career politician. This guy's been in Congress since his late 20s. He wasn't even old enough to take office when he was elected. He has literally been in office for every bit of uh, of of eligibility uh, of every bit of eligible time that he had to be in office until he left uh, in 2016 or 2017, I guess, when he was no longer the vice president and has been waiting in the wings for four years or for this very moment. And here we are, lying dog face 
Pony Soldier. He called that one guy fat and challenged him to a push-up contest. Now, not to say that that's anything Trump would ever do, but could you imagine if Trump ever did that? Jesus Christ, man. Look, again, the guy is not as nice as they're portraying. And even if he were as nice as he's portraying, his policies are evil. He's not only going to take more of the money that you earn, but he's going to take more of the money that the company that you works for earns. Meaning that either you or coworkers of yours will no longer have jobs. He's going to provide you with shitty health care after taking away quality health care that you currently have and probably like. He's going to go right back into the Iran deal. He's going to go right back to giving billions of dollars to, to known terrorists and then pretend like he's flexing his muscle against tyrannical dictators. He's going to go right back to trying to reset relations with the evil Russians. Remember that? The Obama administration, with Hillary Clinton as the Secretary of State, wanted to reset relations with Russia. Obama offered him more flexibility after the 2012 election. Biden's going right back to that plan, folks. He's not going to go and buddy up. You know, he's not going to go and and, and and hulk up and pretend like he's going to go point the finger in uh, in Vladimir's face and go, you, it's not, it's not one of those situations here. This guy could barely stand, nevertheless stand up for you. And once more, he wants to win the battle for the soul of this nation while actively losing the battle to keep his own soul in his own body. But don't worry. Kamala Harris, she's got you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's about all I have for you fine people. Thank you for joining me for part two of Zoom and Gloom at the DNC. This has been the Right Opinion Podcast. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check me out at therightopinion.podbean.com or just search The Right Opinion on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, like pretty much everywhere now. Spotify as well, and if not hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Also, hominmediagroup.podbean.com and ratsaladreview.com. I have been your host, Harrison Bergeron. Be sure to follow me on social media at RightOpinionPod on Twitter, Instagram, Parler, and Minds, maybe. I think I deleted the app, but hey, if you want to follow me over there, why not? I'll appreciate it just the same, even though I'll probably never actually know about it. And uh, that leaves me to this point in the program where I remind you all that opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.